Welcome to the year we started a podcast. It's a podcast board Phoenix-like from the ashes of last year's podcast. I am your co-host, Jeff. And I am your other co-host, Nick. And this is our podcast. We're a couple of friends that are half a continent apart that would like to come together and talk about some of the things that are fun and interesting to us. Some of those things, Nick, are talking about ourselves in ways that are a little bit more vulnerable than the typical conversations that you would have with people out on the internet. However, Nick, one of the things I've been very open with, this is a very long-winded intro, I am open about the fact uh, social anxiety, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I, yeah. Have, you, have, you, have you known the fact that I sometimes avoid... Uh, interaction uh, of the social variety uh, when it becomes so even remotely <laughs> tipping I gotta, over the edge. I, gotta let you know, of, I thought that you had like a normal amount of uh, anxiety and like avoidance of weird social pressure situations. What was until it? we started what, what, doing what? this this podcast, and then it like really ratcheted up all the experience for it because you like to tell it to me all the time and point it out to me all the time, and I really appreciate it because it makes me feel like there's somebody out there who also is like oh, no, 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 my neighbor walked that way and I haven't said hi to them in a long time and I better just go home. I better just it, go home instead of doing the Was it the elevator thing, thing where I don't, it, uh, like, I slow down and, like, try not to get yeah, on the you know, elevator those are all, people, those are all just, or, I mean, it's, it's a cum- accumulation. It's okay, really okay. um, an amalgamation of them all. So, Nick, do you remember, <laughs> I think this would have been uh, mid-2000s where uh, Southwest had the, uh, the commercial uh, where the tagline was always, uh, want to get away? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I and remember. yeah, I, I like I could empathize with that kind of. If you're not familiar, it was basically uh, like the the motif that they would have was there was a situation where somebody did something that was very awkward and put them in a very socially awkward uh, situation, and then they would ask. I don't know why they hired actors for that. They could have just followed me around for a while. I would have been fine with it. And I'll tell you, Nick, they could have followed me around too. Uh, <laughs> so. That's always kind of stuck with me as a slightly uh, socially awkward, averse type person. Nick, I I don't know what the amount of money I would have to pay would be, but if there was an amount of money that I could pay in order to be, a, be able to have like a social anxiety ripcord that I could pull, I would have paid a pretty penny to be able to do that this week. <laughs> I, uh, I need what to happened, set, Jeff? I, I need to I need to set the scene. This might be one of the worst things that have ever happened in my entire life. Oh um, no! Oh no! That's really. I don't, don't want to set, set the expectations that high. Jeff, you're my but friend. I don't. Want I do that want to be that honest. So, so in this past year, uh, I want to. I, I do want to set the stage because, like, we have been extremely fortunate uh, throughout the pandemic. I, uh, you know, I joked about using the "want to get away" uh, tagline. Uh, but in our uh, Patreon episode, I talked about uh, getting vaccinated and how excited I am to do traveling stuff. I'm very excited to do traveling stuff this summer. My wife actually started working this past year. She stayed home. We've been very fortunate to allow her to be able to uh, stay home with the kids for the, the first four years of being parents. Uh, but she's reentered the workforce uh, still from home, but uh, we have to have people uh you know, we still have to do childcare type stuff, but it's, it's been a huge, huge blessing for our family. And we're at a point now where, you know, we could actually afford <laughs> being a parent is expensive. We're at a point now where we'd be able is to go afford and do is things. Uh, but one of the things that we've been able to afford in during the pandemic is since my wife is working, a lot of things that we should typically do would, uh, you know, clean the house and get all things ready. And we have a connection where we can get our house cleaned from a house cleaning person who kind of does it on the side for a very, very affordable rate, uh, which sounds like a very, uh, I don't know, <laughs> this sounds like a very hoity-toity thing to be able to do, but it, it, it's really nice and like I said, we were very used to a, a single uh, income household. So it's a it's a thing to kind of bridge the gap between what we were able to have before with a person staying at home full time compared to a person, you know, you know, a dual income family. So this is like one of our guilty pleasures of having a person come spend like 80 bucks or whatever to have them clean our house. Uh, it's very, very nice. But totally. Nick, a, a thing that happened. Uh, we had our son's dentist appointment this, uh, well, th- this on this day. And, uh, we also had our cleaning person coming over on this day. And that kind of created a couple challenges. So, challenge one, my wife and my son needed to leave pretty early on in the process of our morning routine. And so I had to focus a little bit on making sure they got out the door on time. 
So okay. one of the very so last night one of the conversations we had was like trying to figure out how this is all all going to work because I also need to go to my job and I need to drop off our daughter at my uh, mom's house so her grandma's house and so we had it all planned out and one of the parts of that plan was I needed to make sure that I was able to uh, get Alice our daughter to my uh, her grandma's house at approximately 8.30 because that was when the cleaning people were going to show up to our house. Okay. Okay. All, all good. And um, our son's dentist appointment was like at 8. So like I was really focused on making sure that I got them out the door. He had muddy shoes because it's been raining for forever here. I, I helped get shoes cleaned uh, while she was getting him fed and get him dressed and like got him out the door, got them out the door. It was all good. And like I had like 15 minutes uh, before 8 o'clock. Like, that's perfect. Our daughter was just waking up. I was like, all right, perfect. And like, Nick, we've mentioned before, like, I'm, <laughs> if you haven't listened to all of our episodes, this is more forthcoming than perhaps uh, you would have in a single episode, but I'm a bath person. So I was doing the bath thing and I w- was getting ready to get out of the bath. And then I heard the doorbell ring. Okay. Okay. Oh, good. Oh, good. So okay. our, uh, <laughs> Our cleaning people showed up 30 minutes early. That was really nice of them. Then, well, that was really considerate of them for you, right? Uh, I don't mean to throw my wife under the bus. Uh, in uh, the post uh, review of this, it turns out they had agreed that they were coming over at 8 and not at 8.30. Uh, so this was an avoidable conflict of time. Um, but Nick, I just... So I, I I try to avoid usually most people are awkward. happy. About I, I try to avoid people show up early. Most, by the way, <laughs> stop it! I, I, <laughs> I try to avoid most awkward interactions in my life. But okay. I I can't even postulate on what a more awkward situation would be than um, uh, completely naked, <laughs> um, getting ready like uh, soaking wet. Uh, daughter still in her bedroom awake now, uh, people in my house and they are asking if we're home. I don't know any other situation that would possibly be any worse than that. And like, I literally had the thought pop through my head of like, want to get away? <laughs> Cause like, it was just like, I can't, I, I, I don't even know what to do here. Cause like I need to communicate. The, the other thing is. Um, they, they don't, uh, our, our cleaning person doesn't speak super great English. Like she can do okay. Uh, It is a little bit better, like through, uh, like written English. Uh, but it is certainly not, uh, comfortable (laughs) to talk. And so like, (laughs) oh, it's just me and my naked self and my daughter who hasn't even gotten taken out of bed yet. Uh, they're wanting to clean our house. And so I just awkwardly stuck my head out behind the door and said, I'll be out in a second, uh, to which they interpreted as we're going to start cleaning the basement first. Thank gosh. <laughs> I don't, they, at least they understood. They're like, uh, okay, we'll we'll go we'll go to the basement first. But uh, Nick, those uh, like, <laughs> so like the the time between like me sticking my head out uh, and uh, when I initially realized what had happened, I like those were probably the worst twenty seconds of my life. <laughs> I like how I know that you have had serious things happen to you in your life. So that just it's a mix up of scheduling where someone's your house while you're getting out of the bath is not the end of the world. But like I was like, like I uh, this may sound stupid, but I was like, okay, uh, I have the window in the bathroom. I I could <laughs> that's an option. <laughs> There's um, oh let's see. God. I could pretend I'm not here. Nope, that doesn't work really well. Because my daughter is just in the bedroom. That would make you look like a real good dad. That would be- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, it was the most uncomfortable I have been in a freaking uh, country mile. Uh, it is. That was sorry, very, buddy. very no, bad. That very, like, if I could ever have like a, a social ripcord, I would have pulled that. Like, if I only had three in my entire life, it's like that a time would have, parachute, right? It's like a social time parachute where you're allowed to like go back in time just enough. 
to fix whatever it was. You just pull the, the string and just get out of it. Like if I could, yeah, if I could have but played those last thirty like, minutes, I would have made different decisions. Right. Let me tell you, exactly, exactly. Uh, man, that was uh, yeah. So that was very uncomfortable. I just wanted to come clean with one of the most uh, uncomfortable things I've had happen in a long time. Mm. Good. Uh, in uh, addition to uh, referencing things that we've talked about previously on the podcast, Nick, I want to talk about straws again. I do. You, do you want to <laughs> recap for our listeners who maybe haven't uh, been with us the entire time? Uh, yep, we talked straws. about straws in an earlier thing because you don't like your paper straws. You don't, don't. want to do it. Uh, plastic tastes better. Uh, I get. I I am pretty ambivalent. I don't really care. I'm all for. Uh, whatever, and also you don't like the metal straws either. That's not a good solution for you. Yeah, metal uh, straws suck. Uh, paper straws suck. I do, I do respect our need to do better in the environment. I don't know that straws are the most important thing, but yeah, this is as an aside. I have no idea happy. how much of an impact straws are. That's a good point. Like I have no idea. But, but nonetheless, I'm certainly behind you know the spirit of the thing. And if we could have a good alternative to straws. Uh, I'm, you know we I'm haven't always okay used pa- uh, plastic straws, right? Really? Yeah, they're they're like a relatively recent thing. I mean, y- you and I have in our lifetime, but I think uh, I th- I think that they are basically like our generation old. Like I think they're like thirty years old or something. Yeah, because so, I know like, we they, started like we started being able to do plastic stuff like in the like late eighteen oh, hundreds. Oh, but... we we can't do plastic stuff. I just watched a video on plastic stuff, and some some listeners will probably know a little bit about it. But um, but like. Our plastic usage has ramped up so like it's gone oh, like gosh. I can only imagine. through the roof, right? So it, it's but yeah, I think that paper straws were the norm until like the eighties or something like that. Interesting. I had no yeah. idea. That's very cool. I should look yeah. that up. I'm curious about the the history of straws, and we'll see how this arc plays out in straws. Uh, so two we things on the three. straw front. <laughs> oh. But continue. continue. <laughs> yeah, we may. Um, so first off. I hadn't really realized that places were doing this, but finding um, lids that don't require straws, uh, I think Starbucks has done a good job of this with like their little, honestly, it reminds me of what our, uh, my kids drink out of, like little sippy cups, but just with a little oval cut out the top of them. Um, Those aren't the worst things ever. Like I give them a nod as a no straw alternative to uh lids and i felt really awkward the other day uh katie and i were going out on a much needed date night and they asked us if we wanted straws when we drove through starbucks and i said yes because i don't really like i guess i do i like i don't want to just open the cup and drink it out there uh but uh (laughs) then they handed us this these drinks with our uh cup or our lids that like certainly were not like straw compatible. Like they were meant to like be used without straws. And then I felt really bad. Um, but yeah, so I give that a nod as an okay alternative to straws. But then Nick, I had for the first time something that I would classify as an acceptable alternative to the straw. Oh crap. Let me in your world. I don't really know. I haven't really done the research to understand like what all different companies are doing this sort of thing. But Nick, have you ever had an agave based straw? What? No. What? Yeah. That's a thing? It's a thing. And I I found the drinking experience from agave based straw to be basically indistinguishable from a regular plastic straw. It is a thicker feel. Uh, like if you bite on it, you can tell like it has a little bit more resistance than you Got would it. have on a typical narrow uh, plastic straw. But it doesn't do the annoying thing where it like feels so weird when you like on your mouth when you're drinking a, from a paper straw, and it's not like <laughs> a metal straw where it like ruins your like just the teeth feel. Yeah, so the teeth off. feel of metal straw is like my my the thing about it that like makes me not have a permanent metal straw. Um, hold on. I just want to let you know that I googled agave straw, right? And there's a website called agavestrawco.com. And by the way, I'm all on like I this is the kind of thing that I wish that we had uh, more exposure for and I I like I'm probably going to send this to Jen and have her order us a bunch probably. Like I'm, I'm mm-hmm. going to continue talking with you. But most importantly, I do want to let you know that some of their int- their int- their uh, front page selling points are one sip for hours. 
lasting up to eight hours. So you can use one straw all day or night. You know me, I sip for hours. <laughs> and two, this is an actual good selling point, but it also just is a really good line. Never get soggy. <laughs> <laughs> Just, never I, feel like, I feel like the eight hour thing probably covers point that b probably there. Does. Like, it does but i just love that i just i it, this is good marketing it's not anything wrong with it i'm not ragging on the product i just love yeah. that i just lo- looked on a, a website and one of the headlines is never get soggy <laughs> so i i looked at I looked at what the costs were, and it does feel like the costs are a little bit high still. Um, at about four cents a straw, if you go to Amazon and buy a 2000 pack, which probably you could get significantly lower. But like, I do want to acknowledge, like, I think that is actually probably fairly high. You could probably do probably. the same thing for like five bucks for plastic straws. So, so maybe a little oh, bit yeah. room to grow on the uh, uh, the cost effectiveness of these. But if if we're going to have to pick a biodegradable, you know, environmental straw friendly option, option of a- straws, frick, I cannot possibly tell you how many votes I would like to put behind agave straws. Too it is cool. By the far, performance is there. You're telling me the performance the is closest. there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. It uh, is so- like it is not the same. But it is so close to the same compared Good. to everything else. Like and by I, I bet a you we would get fold. used to it, right? Like we, I, get, I, I, I genuinely do think, like you know, jokes aside, like if we if we can make this be something that is like actually cost effective, I think ninety nine percent of people would be more than willing to get behind this. I so just, I, I don't want to turn this into a more political like ide- ideological ideological thing because i don't know the straw industry at all but so something that i i feel like comes up every time like no matter what our alternative is it's probably going to be less cost effective especially at the beginning than plastic is right Mm -hmm. like plastics been like people who make plastic straws have probably been making them in the same factories or similar factories and have a ton of infrastructure and whatever else and have had that infrastructure for forever of course they're going to be more effective especially at scale They've been set up for scale for forever. They've been supplying every McDonald's in the freaking world for forever. And, uh, and the other thing is, at some point, you we're just gonna have to suck it up. Like if it's you know if it's more cost effective to to dump oil in the ocean, it doesn't mean you jump <laughs> dump oil in the ocean, right? It's, I mean, the, I know it's that- the same thing with CO two emissions. Like we all of our infrastructure are. Uh, like developed around the fact that CO2 emissions are not a consideration where if if we're going to get into a future where we have to care about that, it's going to be less cost effective, especially at first. And either we're going to have to subsidize that or we're going to like, it's just, it's not going to be a thing that is just going to be like, Oh wow, we found this great new thing that we're all going to be able to pile onto because it's uh, cheaper like right. doing the right thing is not going to be cheaper, especially at first. Exactly, and I, I'm not saying this to try to get political. I um, I know someone who likes to rail on certain renewables by saying that they've never been as uh, as cost effective as uh, non renewable energy sources. And I mean, at some point, that's just just the reality that we're yeah. going to have to suck up, right? Like if you if you believe that that we are causing any harm to the environment at all. There is a different cost that we are not equating because it is not a financial cost. It's like the cost of the ocean being filled with giant freaking island sized things of plastic. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, 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 I mean, at the at at the the base of it, uh, like capitalism or economies in general are very poor at valuing long-term impact. And so we are more than happy to, you know, say that like, this is, this is a thing that is most profitable, uh, but only put that through the lens of what matters in the next, you know, five years, 10 years right? at at best, if not shorter. And and I don't think it's an outright condemnation of capitalism to not always choose the thing that creates the most short-term capital. Like, I think that there can be other considerations. I like to, to, you know, I don't know, go to the beach and stuff, but I don't think that beaches, if they don't, if they're public beaches, they don't have, you know, I'm sure they have other ways that they affect economies by driving tourism and driving like, you know, people to get out and go to restaurants near beaches and whatever else. But like, you know, if I go to a beach that doesn't cost anything for me to park at, like somebody has to maintain this beach and someone has to (laughs) pay for a lifeguard. And I'm okay with paying for that because beaches are cool. And the same thing is true of like keeping beaches not covered in plastic, right? Like, (laughs) so yeah. No, I think I think we're on the same page. Um, 
So I just I want to preface it because I'm not trying to be like I'm not trying to uh, alienate any anybody who thinks that uh, I don't understand that you know there's there is an actual financial cost to some of these switches. And yeah, I I would say if you have any disagreements with us on the semantics of any of the things we talk about, one, you're probably much more well-informed than we are, and we agree with you on the fact that you are much more informed than us. And two, we're both very open people to having that sort of discussion. So if uh, if at any point we've offended anybody (laughs) and you have more info that you would like to toss our way, always feel free, in addition to sending us topics, to send us uh, information about how we're wrong, because we're often wrong. I've been wrong so many times, Nick. Are you aware of that? Uh, I've been aware of you being wrong. I've never been wrong. Yeah, I know. You're really good at correcting me all the time. uh Mm Uh-huh. And I'm good at correcting myself from being wrong ever. Ever. So you're welcome. Anytime you've ever been wrong, actually, as far as I'm aware, you've always recognized it yourself and pointed it out to me and to your wife. Uh, I feel Mm -hmm. like you've Mm -hmm. identified those as critical Mm -hmm. points Mm -hmm. to do Mm -hmm. uh, because you're you're incapable of uh, uh, being corrected by other people because you're so uh, apt and active at correcting yourself. Nick, this is a really long run-on sentence. It's weird. Nick, I would, so you have a little bit of a, a tiny topic before we perhaps dive into some of our other stuff. Here. Yeah, yeah. I had, so okay, I did a little bit of research on this. Um, so recently this week, I but I didn't know how to um, to do a deep dive on this topic. But I also wanted to just talk about it with you because I think it's interesting. Um, do you have you during the pandemic reconnected with old friends? Like, have you reached out or spent time with, uh, or you know, done the whole Zoom call things with friends or? talk to people on uh you know skype or whatever it is that you don't usually talk to yeah so partially i answer this question knowing darn well that you know that i have because we've done a few things that have been in that uh nature um the other part of that is though like it was very much more the case early on and kind of wore back yeah. down the longer the pandemic went and the longer we just kind of had to deal with the sort of thing. Uh, I don't think you're to hear where you're going with this though. Um, so I, I, uh, I played some video games with some old friends that like I've known since high school. Um, I have a small group of friends that are like, um, my old roommates, high school friends, um, and that like, you know, so I, you know, they'd come see us at, uh, it, when we lived together and then we played some video games after that um together and i didn't really talk to i don't really talk to them all that frequently i share a discord channel with them and i like you know chime in occasionally but very occasionally mm-hmm. and like six of us got together and played a video or uh, video games for like two hours the other day and i totally fell back into uh, to all of the old dynamics and i really liked it or not really liked it but it was really cool to to reconnect with everybody and I was like, I really like these guys. I really value all of them. Why are we not, why do I not reach out to people that I don't talk to as much, but I know that I still have, a, like, I still value? Um, and I think that the whole thing, I think it's hard to reach out to people, right? Like, I, I don't know about you. Like, that was what I was going to ask is, do you have an easy time reconnecting with people that you may have, like, lost some, like, last year, less touch with, or that you haven't talked to in a long time or whatever? So if I'm in a situation where that, the hard part, which is the actual reaching out or the actual reconnection has been done for me or like basically been, I've been exposed to it uh, without my, without me having to do the hard part of that, which is the actual, like the activation energy to do that sort of thing. I do really well. Like I would use my uh, high school reunion as an example for that. We had our 10 year high school reunion back. uh, Gosh, frick like three four years three years ago Um, here's your second time that that 10 year high school reunion has made you feel old here you go boy howdy (laughs) that is a long time ago for the old 10 year um i cannot even believe that that has been that long okay anyways i I want to let you know that um if if i i don't know that i haven't paid attention to anything for the my my 10 year but it would have been interrupted by um by covid and i really do appreciate that like i it just means the world to me that it was interrupted so so it's an interesting thing because i 
I like I talk about. I probably said it on the podcast before, but I was the sort of kid when I was going to lunch in high school and middle school and such that I would try to find the table that I could sit at where I would not be judged for not talking, but it was still kind of like a cool group of people to be around. Sure. I did sports stuff, uh, so like I had connections with people, but I really, really did poorly on a social level in a group setting. And so I like I really, really struggle with that. Since then, I have grown a lot as a person. I still like I, I like even back in those days, like I I did grow close with people, uh, which oh, that seems like obvious. Like I, I did I did have some close <laughs> friendships. No, you're fine. And I like that was never the problem. It was really just in a big social setting. I just did not know uh, how to handle that as a kid. But I've grown a lot in that. Uh, and so when we had our 10-year reunion, I reconnected with that, like many of the people that I had grown close with. But it was fun because like now I know how to do it in a social setting. Uh, and like we had a really, really good time at our 10-year reunion. That said, freaking <laughs> 12 hours later, all of that reconnecting that we did basically fell by the Just wayside. Them, yep. Like it was, it was really fun, and like I could see a world in which I would really enjoy continuing to hang out with those people. Uh, I just we. I don't think it always makes sense. Fun, like it just like it just it just falls apart. Like the sec because we don't have anything any structure at all pulling right. us together. It's just this one common bond that we have that we feel a little bit obligated to get back together <laughs> once a decade about and have a good time. And like, I, I also really, think really enjoyed it. It just didn't work out really it, long yeah, term. I, th- I think it would it'd be, it'd be like kind of not nonsensical, but like it, does, it doesn't like really add up because you the connection that you have doesn't hold up to like a normal day-to-day interaction. And I think that um, that like you and I actually I think are a good example of this. Like you know, there's been times where we probably haven't texted or talked for months or even mm-hmm. maybe years at a time. Like, to, But then, you know, we can fall back in. And if something like reconnects us, we start playing a game together. If we visit each other for a while or, a or, whatever, it is, or whatever or we start a podcast together, uh, then like we can reconnect. And it's like we can just fall into, oh, well, now we have this connection that because it, we can tangentially relate it to this, then I can just kind of randomly text you my stupid thoughts about basketball and it kind of fits more into but Mm -hmm. you couldn't just because you played high school football with somebody doesn't mean that like you know that they are going to understand your weird dynamics with your coworkers or oh man here's this funny thing i found like it it doesn't really like i don't know how to put it it just doesn't seem to make sense to me that that relationship could be reformed into a day-to-day relationship unless Mm -hmm. there was some kind of catalyst right do you have an example of somebody you've reconnected with? I think you're probably the person that I've gone the most out of connection with. Like, cause like we, we used to like hang out on a daily basis, uh, back in the day and then definitely had times where we were more connected and less connected, uh, than to return to now where we talk to each other for over an hour a week. Um, do you have somebody that had like, you didn't start a podcast with that you've had that sort of uh, situation happen before? Uh, not really. Um, honestly, the, if it, any example is all super uh, like, like uh, the, the cool thing with online video games, especially like League has been that way for me. And uh, Final Fantasy was like that for me is just that they are a good catalyst to kind of just goof around and play, play, uh, play games with friends. But even those, I don't play those very much anymore. But I would say a couple of years ago, I probably had one or two friends that I reconnected with over League. Um, but you know, you're you're like, there's not. You're the best example. Is is a, the the best way to put that is. I'm there. There are a couple of people that I would like to be able to do more of this uh, when we can have game nights with families and such and like it's, it's a little bit hard with kids but it's certainly possible still where yeah. i would like to be a little bit more intentional um i would like to be a little bit more intentional about connecting with some of my siblings as well like we kind of got better at that like leading into the pandemic we started a D group for a little bit there <laughs> nice um but i i don't know that, that, this is a very interesting thing because i feel like it is it is the easiest thing to not happen because it requires you to be active and intentional about how you are spending your time and who you're 
spending your time with. And even though you may like recognize the benefit of certain people in your life or how much you enjoy hanging out with people, if you don't have that structure that pushes you together, it's really, really easy to just not ever interact. Like, except for the occasional, you know, the the saying happy birthday or like whatever it is. Yep, yep. I I, also, I completely agree. And I think um, I I once read that we are very uh, like our brains are literally programmed to start liking people more the more that we are exposed to them, and it's like an old school survival mm-hmm. thing. And it totally makes sense. And it explains a lot of our relationships anyways, because, you know, it's like, oh, I became great friends with this person. But yeah, you became great friends with them after they became a colleague that you had to work closely with or after you became like a gym buddy or, you know, when you're younger, if they're a classmate or whatever it is. And I think it makes perfect sense. And that's not to take away any of the value of like uh, of how we build friendships. It's not that you don't build friendships with the right people or it's not that you build friendships with great people just because they happen to, you know, go to the same gym as you or work in the same, uh, the same office or whatever. But I I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I I think you're completely right. I think it's really hard without that catalyst, right? It's really hard without that structure. As you said, I'll, I'll add to what you just said, as far as the importance of exposure over time, for people like myself, I freaking <laughs> I'm a little bit of a humanist in the sense that like I see the best in people no matter how bad or <laughs> whatever of a person they are. Like I I will you have to burn me so many times before I write you off as <laughs> as a good person. And like I, I don't know, like I I assume so much the best in people and I I make friends really easily because of that. Uh, not to say that that's necessarily a good quality or bad quality or whatever. I just, I think it's an interesting thing because it really, especially in a work perspective or work context, like I, I'm such good friends with so many people, at least in my own mind, maybe they don't think of myself, but like, I like so many people, but it's because I've, you know, worked at the same place for coming up on a decade and like, but you, but you also are like, like, I really think that's true of you. you. You are a very, uh, likable person. And I think that, um, you know, I know you've said that you, you feel like you're, uh, awkward in a lot of situations or whatever but i never got that impression with you and i also think that like when you spend a lot of time like you're a very genuine and earnest person and i think that's the kind of thing that lends itself to building strong long-term friendships you know so yeah yeah like sorry i I interrupted just to pat you on the back but continue yeah no i appreciate it anytime you want to do that uh, feel free (laughs) (laughs) i do want to talk about something real quick before we hop into our last uh, topic is i want to talk about uh something that has Happened to me, which will be a good job uh, or do a good job of painting me in a more accurate light, which is some of my uh, flawed parts, which are the fact that I have on one occasion that I can remember, but I have seen it happen a couple other times from other people where you reply to an email meaning only to send it to a person or a small group of people, but accidentally send it to not the intended audience. And before I share that, Nick, do you have an example of any of any time where either an email or a text or anything where it was not intended for the people that received it? Um, none bad. It's okay if not. It's okay if not. No, none bad. Um, I do this a lot with group texts, uh, because I think that, like, I just don't pay attention enough, and I don't actually open my text app. I just respond from the notification, like, you can do Mm -hmm. a little pull down. And so, if someone texts me from a group chat, or texts a group chat, and I don't pay attention enough, I can just pull down and see it. It'll say, like, oh, Jeff, okay, I'll just respond. And then I say it to everybody that's, like, in this group chat, when it's like, oh, man. And it's like, why do you send that to your parents? <laughs> wow, <laughs> language, Nick. I language. have to, I'm gonna have, oh. to bleep, I'm gonna have to bleep a whole like half, second oh, and a half man. for that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing real good today. You're welcome for that. <laughs> hey, you have been doing pretty good. Okay, so what brought this to the front of my mind was we had a funny thing at work where uh, there was an email that was supposed to go out to people uh, about uh, fem- feminine hygiene products. Uh, and it was meant to only go to like a very That's small a group of people, start. but accidentally got sent to, uh, like, uh, like a hundred or so people about oh, no. their, their avail- availability. 
And I felt so bad because I I'm actually really good friends. Well, apparently with everybody that I work with, like I just said before. But like it, it like I I cringed inside. Like my social anxiety cringed inside. But what that uh, reminded me of was there was a time, and this would have been like gosh, like uh, I don't know, six seven years, uh, probably six years ago, five years ago. Okay. Um, where we yeah, were that's really good a project that's really with a good, vendor. By the way, I just want to let you know it's. <laughs> Yeah, it was really it's unfortunate. good. Unfortunate. I yeah, I don't want to go into any more details. Uh, but I, I it was as uh, uncomfortable and slightly hilarious as you would imagine. I was working on a project, and it was not going super smoothly. And it was like a Friday late afternoon, and they had sent us an update on what their plan was for moving forward on some stuff. Okay. And I think it was like the main IT contact back in the day uh, working on this. And they what they had sent was, uh, I don't know, questionably successful at best was my, prog- uh, my prognosis for how this was going to go. And me and another person I worked with had worked very closely on this project. And I wanted to give my Friday disdain for how I felt this was actually oh, going no. to play out. And so all I replied oh, no. was, was, I bet this will go well, dot, dot, dot. And <laughs> <laughs> but see, what I love about that is that that's perfectly passive aggressive enough that you might actually receive that. It, you know, like when you find like the really openly passive aggressive people, I say that like, I don't think it's actually passive at that point. I think people say passive aggressive when they mean like, oh, aggressive aggressive. <laughs> yeah. Like, but that's the kind of thing that you could just vaguely be like, excuse me, Did this guy actually say that to me. But Oh my God, Jeff. So like on a, on a late Friday afternoon, I sent this, what I thought was to one person, but I didn't realize that I had copied everybody on the, our third party that was working with us. Oh, oh good. I bet that's this will go well. That's a good look for your company. <laughs> I bet that's a good look for your company, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, super good. I, it was actually, it, it worked out okay, but like Nick, I mean, if, if I've if I can't book this in any better book end in this any better, the the same feeling that I had of wanting to rip cord out of a situation of being naked in our house cleaning people show up <laughs> and realizing that I've emailed like five people uh, that we have paid a pretty penny to to work on something with us, uh, how I think they're going to do a terrible job, uh, very passively. Oh. I exact same feeling. <laughs> I just I want to get away. Southwest, can you help me? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it, it actually it ended up being okay. Uh, like actually ended up improving the project a little bit in my opinion because then I I sent a follow up email and we talked back and forth a little bit about how you're like you know what I just I'll be honest like things have really sucked on this like on our side uh, not from like the project is going super poorly like I tried to you know veil that a little bit it's just like this has been really hard and I wanted to like you know joke around I hope you guys can have a good Friday though I'm sure like I I do genuinely think we can figure this out and like I I turn my genuine self uh you know awareness stuff to the max <laughs> and uh tried to make it be- better and i think it worked out okay ultimately good. we did finish the thing and it did work out okay so good oh, good good but man oh my gosh nick those those few seconds uh were about as good as <laughs> the the cleaning person coming to clean our house when uh i was about 30 minutes prepared uh in arrears or 30 30 minutes arrears in the preparedness department uh for that so oh my god nick okay uh i want to know a little bit about this last topic uh i want to i want to know how things are going okay. <laughs> as long as we can not talk about my social awkwardness or awkward things that have about- happened to me i think that would be great okay um so i uh, this this is all this this whole topic is basically spurred by a very very long article that I read that I thought was really really interesting and it kind of um, the focus of it isn't exactly what my focus is it was the focus of the article or at least the framing of the article is about um, one of the leaders at Facebook um, for AI um, for their uh, AI algorithms mm-hmm. and uh, I am not super interested in that like the single people at the top of the, in, the at the uh, top of the leadership chain because I think that this is a massive ass com- company yeah and <clears throat> I think what's more interesting at large is how that affects all of us um, do you feel like 
we're more polarized now than we used to be. Hey, Nick, have you listened to the first episode uh-huh. of our podcast? Uh-huh. I did. I did. I, I was. I think okay, I was I'll, there. <laughs> I'll summarize for our listeners. Uh, yes. Okay. So um, I read a really great article. Uh, it was in uh, MIT's Technology Review um, about uh, about the, the leadership there and about the AI there. And it's – or the AI algorithms that they use and the – more importantly, how they have tried to – use their AI algorithms more responsibly and the things that have kind of spurred them to need to start looking at them more responsibly because they have had a lot of blunders in my not so uh, controversial opinion. opinion. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So the reason I say is that I really care about this, the the polarization aspect of it. Mm -hmm. I think that we're in a world where you know, the, the, the difference in who you voted for is a much bigger difference than it was when I was growing up. And I don't think it's, I'm just saying that. And I think it's a much bigger difference than it was even when, and I, I don't have the, the firsthand knowledge of this, but I do believe that we have become more polarized. And I think that it's really unhealthy for us, even if you f- feel strongly about your beliefs, for us to start looking at other people on the other side of, of an issue any issue, whether it's a presidential election or environmentalism or whatever, as an other and as a misinformed or idiotic or whatever. And sometimes people are genuinely misinformed. And a lot of times it's not their fault that they are. Um, A lot of times there's big, big things that are working in our society, in our systems that that lead them to that. And I'll just like pause for a second. And I think the best part of your description was how we view people as other. I, I feel like that is the the root of the unhealthy part of this because Com- we've we've always had differing opinions, but we've very rarely, well, <laughs> to varying degrees, we have not pit one another uh, against each other to that degree. Like it is, it is truly a thing that I feel like has amplified in multiple orders of magnitude over the past decade or so. Yeah, Compl- I completely agree. And so one, th- uh, the, the reason I say is this article really, really uh, kind of, I think we all know that there are algorithms feeding us content uh, in specific kinds of ways and specific kinds of content. And I think that we all have heard stories about um, about fake news, not just fake news in terms of like, you know, as a political buzzword, but like as, hey, outright false articles that are being pushed because they are more likely to generate clicks for a website, right? And that is a actual fact of Facebook's algorithms because Facebook uses machine learning to decide on what kind of uh, content they feed to people in their in their feed. Uh, or they give to people in their feeds. And the kinds of content that they, they give you are uh, the kinds of content that promote engagement. And engagement for them usually <laughs> means, you know, like a million things, but it can mean, you know, that you're on the article longer, that you are that you are more likely to click on a link, that you're more likely to comment on a page. And the things that do that are the things that, like this article uh, put into statement as a fact as opposed to just conjecture, which most of us probably have conjecture and knew this already, but are the kinds of articles that are polarizing, that mm-hmm. are divisive. Um, and I think this affects us in a lot of different ways. It's not just that we get fed misinformation. I think it's that we get fed things that are, uh, you know, not just have a bias, but have a combative tone. I think that it leads us to extremist groups. Um, one of the quotes in this that I thought was like, chilling is uh on an internal report uh facebook in 2016 reported that 64 percent of all extremist group joins are due to their recommendation tools more importantly it's an internal report but if 64 percent of us are joining extreme or 64 percent of extremist groups joins are due to a facebook's recommendation tool that really tells you a lot about how we're getting to this place because it's not just that people are joining whatever group because their friend tells them or their dad tells them, or, you know, they happen by a sign and talk to some guy at a stand or something. It is literally an algorithm that tells that that is like, Hey, 
people are likely to be outraged yeah. and when they're outraged they'll be they'll be on the, the platform longer we should feed them a, a recommendation for it another thing that they another uh chilling paragraph i wanted to read these paragraphs for you because they, they are to me they, they these two are really harsh and i don't want to even paraphrase them i just want to read them if you don't mind yeah. um go ahead in 2016 or 2017, Chris Cox, Facebook's longtime chief product officer, formed a new task force to understand whether maximizing user engagement on Facebook was contributing to political polarization. It found that there was indeed a correlation and that reducing polarization would mean taking a hit on engagement. In a mid-2018 document reviewed by the journal, the task force proposed several potential fixes, such as tweaking the recommendation algorithms to suggest a more diverse range of groups for people to join. But it acknowledged that some of these ideas were, quote, anti-growth. Most of the proposals didn't move forward, and the task force disbanded. Since then, other employees have corroborated these findings. A, forcebec- uh, a former Facebook AI researcher who joined in 2018 says he and his team conducted study after study, uh, quotes, confirming the same basic idea. Models that maximize engage- engagement increase polarization. Um, stepping out of this thing here, they talk about how they, um, about how, Facebook isn't just one singular algorithm. Um, the the content feeding tool isn't one singular algorithm. They mm-hmm. they go through test, uh, launch all kinds of different ones, and they probably utilize many at the same time, even for the same kinds of users and whatever else. And so, um, so this it was in a section of it of the article talking about how they choose models and how they vet models and whatever else. Um, to get back to the thing. They could easily track how strongly users agreed or disagreed on different issues, what content they like to engage with, and how their stances changed as a result. Regardless of the issue, the models learned to feed users increasingly extreme viewpoints. Over time, they become measure- they measurably become more polarized. I think it's really scary that people are able to... Oh, I'm sorry. There's one more, one more paragraph. The research team also found that users with a tendency to post or engage with melancholy content, a possible sign of depression, could easily spiral into consuming increasingly negative material that risked further worsening their mental health. The team proposed tweaking the content ranking models for these users to stop maximizing engagement alone so that they would be shown less of the depressing stuff. Quote, the question for leadership was, should we be optimizing for engagement if you find that somebody is in a vulnerable state of mind? He remembers. A Facebook spokesperson said she could not find documentation for this proposal. And the reason I say all this is to say a model or they become people becoming measurably more polarized as they're being fed more polarizing content makes perfect sense. And I think it really puts into perspective that more than ever in our society, we have to be critical of how we consume content. And that doesn't just mean like, you know, checking and fact checking your your articles, but it also means trying to understand that, you know, sometimes your Facebook feed or not just your Facebook feed, but any way that you consume media is likely to have an agenda. And that's okay. Like things are going to have an agenda. People Mm -hmm. have beliefs and viewpoints and biases and whatever else, but that these are going to shape your opinion and that we have to be more understanding of each other and have to be more willing to understand the other side than, than ever, because, the things that we are consuming are not helping us get there. They are helping us become further become further apart. I'm not saying yeah. that to belittle any beliefs. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I've talked. Yeah. No, you're good. I I think you have hit on many of the things that I feel very passionate about. Um, specifically around the fact that the and I'm putting words in your mouth a little bit because you cut yourself off and I cut you off. But um, the the algorithms that uh, you know influence our lives and our opinions aren't focused on making our lives better. They are focused on us staying on the platform better. And those are two different things. I will say that uh, the unregulated space of this is very terrifying because the regulated space of this to me as a person in the finance industry is terrifying. And we are like, let, let me give you an example. So things that we're working on and like things that I'm going to school for are learning, uh, you know, doing stuff like machine learning and like, what does that, how, how can we figure out ways that we can identify people that are going to be, uh, profitable now or profitable in the future, uh, which is the sort of stuff that we've always been doing in finance. Like you always want to find people that can, that you are willing to take a risk on with a right. loan and that is going to turn a profit to you long term. You know, win win, they get their loan, we make money, we're all happy. Um, 
but there is a lot of things behind the scenes that are done in order to make sure that that is done fair and equitably. Uh, for example, like we are held to a very high standard of uh, making sure that we are doing fair lending, like we are not being discriminatory in the things that we're doing. Well, first off, we can do certain things to make sure that we can measure that, uh, make sure that we are approving loans at the same rate that we are, uh, you know, across different, Makes sense uh, to me. different areas. But there are many, uh, like unintended discriminatory things that you can do as 100%. a human. And when we're taking this to uh, a machine learning sort of level, it's even to another level. Like you can have all of these different variables and we literally just talked about this today. You can have all these different variables that are not discriminatory variables. Like you can take in, into account income. You can talk about uh, into account like job time. You can take into account uh, their transactions that they've done and all the, all these other things that are inherently not discriminatory. But if there's systemic discriminatory things behind those things, Right. that are influencing them, you may unknowingly just perpetuate that exact same problem. We do not understand what that is. And we do that anyways as humans, but we understand even less about that as to what it would be from a computer perspective. And so to say that I'm concerned about our industry as finance is saying one thing. Like I certainly am, and I don't really, I don't really know what that looks like going into the future because – AI and machine learning and et cetera, which again is literally what my job is, we can make much more profitable decisions, but the morality of that is very questionable. If you take that to an industry that is highly unregulated, uh, especially when you're talking in the sense of like data, uh, like profitability, like mm-hmm. lots of companies are free services, quote unquote, but at the end of the day, they're profiting from your data. That data is being used for a number of things, and those things are first and foremost based on how profitable it is for the person that is purchasing that, not how good of a a thing it is for you as a consumer. Right. So it is – I'm concerned of that from a regulated uh, industry. I am – extremely concerned and i think we probably have ample evidence of how concerning it can be yeah from something that is very very young in its regulation and it's uh understood impact on society i also think it's probably a really i mean even if you are regulating this this i mean i think it's really really hard to regulate this and i think it's even harder to to, to i mean to regulate algor- like machine learning algorithms that to that they aren't picking at like um protected classes for example mm-hmm. like one how are you going to recognize that and two how are you going to recognize it before it becomes a problem um to your to your point about uh not trying to find uh like biases and whatever this article i, I wasn't even going to talk about it because i think it's like it's very interesting all its own and it could be a topic all its own but they talked about um a gaffe that not a gaffe but a an issue that uh facebook had where it's uh, one of its advertising algorithms was not ad- advertising fairly to different races because mm-hmm. it, I assume, uh, I don't think it explicitly says because of income, but they basically said because of confounding factors or whatever the heck, and it's probably because of income. And so they were like advertising for uh, like better homes and better uh, like better like loan uh, options for people that were white as opposed to basically everybody else and at a very large and very uh, like substantial level, like a a, a noticeable level. But how do you program that out? And how do you as a regulator try to understand a algorithm before it's been pushed to uh, push to people to know that it will start to learn that, that that kind of behavior uh, I mean, it's. It, I think it's really difficult to try to to try to regulate, even if you could, right? Or even if it is an, an industry that is uh, more regulated than you know than like you said, data. Well, and I'll even say, uh, and this is a person who is all up in this right now. Yep. Um, depending on the flavor of model used for that ML algorithm's output the ability to understand which particular coefficients are actually influencing that decision are 
so like for some things you may be able to know like oh well it is x variable that's actually influencing this model but there's other ones which are much more unsupervised where you actually don't really know what is influencing the output and depending on the application that very well may be what you're using where you're feeding in a lot of data you don't know what is actually influencing that and how how can you regulate that like it's just it's a very uh, it's hard enough to regulate dumb people where we have to say like you don't have these biases there's no way to just tell a unsupervised ml algorithm like hey bt dubs please don't do things that are (laughs) unethical like there's there's no on off switch for that sort of thing right no completely um and I, I think that's the, the thing that's interesting, not interesting, but that um, that jumped out to me is that there's there's a lot to these machine learning models. It's not just fake news. It's not just discrimination against certain classes of people. Mm-hmm. It's not just pushing more argu- or divisive content. It's it's all of it. And it's really it, it kind of gave it just a reminder to me that we have to be more critical in how we consume uh, uh, and how we consume this. Uh, Like as a, uh, a, a, uh, and even fighting it, like even trying to fight it. So they, the Facebook tried to, um, has been trying to make their models not push incendiary or divisive content by finding things that are not necessarily bannable, but like hit a certain level of like, I don't even know toxicity, but Mm -hmm. But the things that don't quite reach the algorithms, because uh, you—I I mean, I, I know that there's uh, documentaries out there about Facebook content moderators, but you couldn't possibly hand moderate every piece of content on Facebook. So there has to be algorithms that are trying yeah. to catch certain kinds of uh, uh, that are trying to catch content. But things that escape that that uh, that net are still the most likely to be engaged, uh, that are the, the stuff that's most likely to be engaged with. And therefore, the things that are just barely escaping the model that are trying to catch uh, toxicity are the ones that are going to find the biggest audience. <laughs> They're going to be pushed to the most people. Yeah, And that's, I, I don't know, it's it's a very interesting space. Uh, and it, it's a very, like, scary, not sca- just scary, but, like, it's also, it's a, a space that we have to be cognizant of. We have to. It really is, and it is a thing where I don't think people necessarily realize that at the scale that these models are able to be applied, how effective they can be. Because even if they are only extremely effective in 5% of people, 5% of people in the United States is a lot. It's (laughs) a lot. Like, it really is a lot. And that 5% will, like, because if you're talking from an influence perspective, those five people have lots of people that are very close to them. So if you have a particular inflammatory thing that will uh, like absolutely take hold on that small, I say small, quote unquote, when we're talking about freaking like what, 10 million people or whatever. I, I'll leave that. That's more, right. Number, actually, but, I, think, I yeah. think it's like 817 or something like that. There you go. So it, it is like, it, it is the sort of thing where it, it may have a relatively quote unquote small impact, but the indirect impact of that is enormous and we don't really understand. And we certainly are not mature enough as a society to really like, like let alone like govern is strong. Like we definitely don't have the understanding to govern this sort of thing, but just to, to like really realize what this is doing. Like we don't know what the end game of this sort of thing looks like. So it is definitely a, an effective and slightly terrifying thing that we're up against. I, it, as a person in the industry (laughs) on a very limited basis, I guess, uh, certainly from a attention grabbing standpoint, it is, is slightly terrifying just to know what I do know and how effective it can be. Because my goodness, to your point we, about uh, about like you know how many people it reaches, Facebook at uh, I don't think it's actually as high right now, but at some point recently, Facebook had over a billion monthly users. A billion. That's three Americas. That's a lot of people. That's an insane amount of people. That um, is, and we don't even realize how many people still don't even have freaking internet or right. reliable internet. Like, right? It is. 
It is a that is a large portion of the connected world. I um I don't want to um and then 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 the people who have limited access are even more susceptible to some of this stuff. Um, so I'm not I don't want to dive down this one too hard because I am not an expert on this. But um, there was a huge. I mean, there was a genocide in Myanmar, uh, Myanmar mm-hmm. and uh, this it's cited in here several times that Facebook had to basically admit at a uh, at a an ethics hearing that they had they may have played some part, which is you know corporations speak for. Oops, we did play a part in the spread of misinformation that increased racial tension in Myanmar, uh, and part of that is that it's a, a populace that is not super connected to the internet, but smartphones there, almost every smartphone there comes pre-installed with Facebook and almost nothing else. And so if you, all you yeah. have is LTE oh, and man. you don't have any other like laptop or thing that you're getting a, a normal news feed from and you're just happen to be scrolling through Facebook and you see that your military leaders send out some, picture that is not true but is very likely to be sent to you because you speak the same language you fit all of the the things that would the the traits that they're looking for to push that content to you then you're more likely to be susceptible to that <laughs> kinds of like inflammatory stuff and it's it's uh, uh, oh, like you know man i Nick. know i'm not trying to get too happy <laughs> My, my, I, I, it's from an American perspective, it's not that extreme, I don't think, but it is a really scary topic and it, it, on a global scale, it's even scarier. And I don't even think that's, I, I don't think that's a, or Facebook trying to inflame racial tensions in some other country from where they are built. I just think that they, you know, want to get people to click on stuff and that's the side effect of it. I actually disagree. I think this is every bit as bad here as your example. So I'm going to, in the same way that I wish that I could have pulled the social ripcord uh, that I had. uh, I'm going to pull it on this one. (laughs) We could take it offline. But I I am genuinely very concerned about this topic, but we we don't need to talk about it. I am too. Let me let me uh, let me yeah, zoom out. Yeah, on it. I'll let you finish. Yeah. yeah, let me zoom out and not not dive in any deeper. Uh, the the whole point of this was uh, was just to say, and I'm not trying to act self righteous or like I'm above it because I don't have a Facebook. Um, I consume way too much YouTube content, which isn't primarily is not news. Thank God for me because I would go insane. But like you know, I am susceptible to algorithms the same way everybody else is, and my friends who influence my opinion on the world are also susceptible to it. And so therefore, even if I'm not getting it fed to me from facebook i might be getting it sometimes fed to me secondhand through facebook and it's probably just as bad but the bigger thing is i think we we have to um be critical of how we're getting our news be critical of how you're consuming content in general and try to remember that the the people around us aren't others they're usually our countrymen usually they're our friends our neighbors our family whatever it is you know my my family has a pretty wide range of political leanings and it makes for some interesting controversy not controversy but like arguments sometimes but for the most part you know my family is just a bunch of well-meaning normal ass people they're just just everyday freaking people that just work jobs and have families and try try their best there's no reason that it has to be some that you know we have to let an algorithm drive us further apart I think that we we all owe it to ourselves to be a little bit more critical and a little bit more willing to uh, to accept people who don't see the world the same way we do and try to understand why they feel that way. I could not possibly echo that enough. I and we are over on how long I like this to normally go, but yep. I will also I will bounce off that in that I think this past year we have done a bad job of remembering that people are people and there's lots of lots of reasons for that and it's complicated i get it um wait have we done a bad job of that here recently is that (laughs) we have i and that is because of differences of opinion partially i would argue that the actual reason for this is exactly what you've described as far as our uh we are very uh, vulnerable to having uh, our opinions and uh, thoughts either adjusted or amplified by things that are designed to get us to care more about a particular thing that we would typically otherwise. And as we return a little bit to a little bit of normalcy over this next summer and the days that go on, I, I really, I hope 
Like is really my genuine hope that we can return a little bit to, you know, we can, we can thrive among one another and find ways to make things better. Despite the fact that we may not agree on the details. It's okay. Yep. I agree. I think uh, your point about it being an amplification or a adjustment is also really true. I'm not saying everybody needs to be a perfect centrist on every topic. I don't think that's reasonable at all. I just mean like, you know, we're, we're all just in this weird ass society and world together. So just probably try to figure out and like understand each other, even if we don't agree or like want to change our opinion necessarily. Just, you know, yeah, you said you said it much better than me, much more eloquently than me. But <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, if you would like again <laughs> a week after last, uh, if you would like to pay for this great insight, you can uh, <laughs> check us out on Patreon. Uh, Our Patreon. Patreon topics are a little more off the cuff and a little bit less hey, heavy than you know that what? one. I will, a little I less will, heavy than that one. Nor- normally, it's about NBA stuff. This week, <laughs> Patreon listeners and uh, current listeners, if there is any time that you're going to join up and listen to a Patreon episode, I think this is the most encouraging Patreon episode we've ever had. We are, what, nine episodes, eight episodes? I don't know. It's hard to keep, ca- keep count. But we, we are... This was this was a good one. So you should check it out. Patreon forward slash you restart a podcast, TYWSAP. Uh definitely just the last five letters there, not the entire thing. Um <laughs> also you can follow us on any of the social medias, although I'll be completely honest, it's hard to keep track of those and keep up with those and participate in those in the way that they would matter. The by far most important thing that you can do if you do enjoy this episode or do enjoy the show, please share it with a friend. Uh, you you are more than giving us the motivation that we need just by listening to the show. But if you want to share it with somebody else, that would mean so much to us. Agreed. And uh, Jeff, is there anything else? <laughs> nope. I left you high and dry on the part where I'm supposed to say, Nick, you are... <laughs> one day we're gonna get this nick you are more than privileged for potting with me i'm privileged i mean uh okay no okay nick thank you for potting with me you're welcome this has been the year we started the podcast thank you for listening